Listen up, slap nuts. Dude, sweet. It's part of the Project Nerd Podcast Network, project-nerd.com, for all your nerdly needs, or dudesweetcast.com for fucking everything else, brah. And if you didn't know... Now you know. Now you know. But we are not experts on anything we say here. These are just our opinions, people. We're just two dudes trying to help all dudes of every background, gender, what have you, be better, sweeter dudes at the end of the day. That's what it's all about. Suck it. Suck it. Sun, I want it directly in my eyes the whole time. In so your I'm going to be like this. I'll be like. <laughs> you know, you can close your blinds. Well, They're your blinds. A, then, the plant, then the plants don't get the you sun. You can close it temporarily. No, not no. for them. You're not going to interrupt. They deserve it all. You're not going to wow. mess with their habitat. <laughs> I'm a plant daddy. <laughs> don't. I'm not calling you plant daddy. Please do. No. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Dude Sweet. Dude Sweet. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, what Introduce a day. Introduce yourself. Oh, god damn it. <laughs> my name is Ian Douglas Terry, aka the Plant Daddy, aka what was it? Old Desperate Eyes. Desperate Eyes Terry. <laughs> and I am Brian Keith Nelson, aka Mr. Entertainment Xander Creed, aka Blacksican Thunder. Thunder. We have to do that because we'll go thirty minutes in and forget that we didn't say our names. <laughs> yeah. We'll just we'll just talk. But introduce our guest. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Gregory Iron. How come I can't have a bunch of nicknames? You can have you as can, many nicknames as you want. You, you can, can shout them nicknames. out yourself. Go for it. Go the, for it. The what handicapped can... hero. That's there right. You go. One-armed and dangerous. That's right. The cerebral palsy assassin. Mm-hmm. See what I did there? It's like a play with Triple H. Yeah. I got nothing else. Oh, that's, that's, you already beat me in it, so there we go. You know what my uh, my my backyard wrestling name was, though? Oh, shit. Um, Gregberg. Gregberg, Gregberg. Like you know, Goldberg was very, like very yeah. big at the time. And, and so, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. this made, made the most sense to be be Gregberg. Not I'm very creative. Yeah, yeah, not good. Hell yeah. I mean, for a kid, yeah, because you're just like, I, I want to mimic my favorite, like who I'm liking right now, who's really awesome. And you're like, I'm gonna make my name of it. I, I wish I, my I, name went with stuff like that. I really just think it was like his name started with a G, my name started with a G, hey. and it sounded sometimes that's I mean, all you need to be yeah. honest. But uh, <laughs> that's it. And then, and then I would be Greg Berg when I would create my guy in uh, WrestleMania 2000, or No Mercy. Nice. Uh, but I don't know about you guys, but you could make your guy like you know seven foot tall. So yeah. of course, instead of making your guy you what know, you accurate are. to size, which is you know I've been five four since I was like uh, ten years old, uh, <laughs> I, I would make my guy like seven foot two yeah. and yep. like uh, two hundred seventy five pounds because I thought like that was a nice even oh number. Gosh. But really, you would be really really lanky if you were two seventy five at seven yeah. two. Yeah. And then uh, I always thought to myself, well, if I was a wrestler, that would be really weird to wear spandex. So I would put myself in the the rock pants yeah. uh, with, the, with the stripes on the side. 
yeah, and, and, and just like when he my, went through that whole phase where yep. he's wearing that, that loose uh, muscle, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, then, and then like a tank top, you know, there you go. just like I can't be like those weirdos being half naked in spandex. That's just weird. <laughs> oh, spandex. What are you we, doing? We fast forward, and <laughs> all I want to be in is, is in spandex at all times, you know, half naked. So, the journey go. is going. Look at it. Yeah, okay. what a, that's a hot start. Up. Yeah, that's a great start. It's a great start. Too. Oh my god. So how you doing? I'm okay. Yeah. Uh, a little tired from travel, but I'm I'm. I feel like I'm constantly tired at all times, and mm-hmm. uh, I always say, you know, uh, with wrestling, obviously, probably the hardest part about it is is getting hurt, obviously. But if, if you ignore that, if the hardest part of the job is uh, traveling mm-hmm. and losing a little bit of sleep, but we still get to do this thing that we only dreamed about doing as a kid, yeah. you know, how bad is our job really? You know, so I'm a little a little jet lagged, I guess, but I, I feel good. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Hell yeah, that's good. That's a good way of looking at it too. Because I think people will lose perspective of the things where it's just like, yeah, this gets difficult if you want to, even if you want to do it, but it's better than what you could be doing. To, yeah, for I, something else. I could, I could, couldn't imagine my life like doing a desk job or something. And I, yeah. I always feel like I had that. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I always refer to it as like the Stone Cold mentality of like, um, I, I, I just can't settle for the norm, you know. Like, yeah. uh, and if you tell me I. I can't do something. I'm going to do it anyways. And mm-hmm. I think that's where everything spawned for me as a kid. And eventually when I got the idea that I was going to be a pro wrestler, um, with my particular situation, being five foot four and having cerebral palsy from birth, it's like, uh, when I started telling people, like, I think I might want to be a wrestler. They told me that's dumb. That's stupid. You can't yeah. do it. Like, it's like a challenge to me. You know, yeah. like, you're like, you're, you're testing the waters and mm-hmm. it's like, well, like you say, I can't do it. Well, uh, can I swear? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can say as much yeah. as you Fuck want. It. Fuck it. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> like, like, I'm, I'm gonna go and fucking do it. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, like, you don't, don't, don't fuck with my emotions. Like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove you wrong each and yeah. every time. It's that chip on my shoulder that drives me just to, I don't know, be the best at whatever it is I do. And I just, I choose to pursue my dreams. You know, most people talk about it. I decided to try and do it. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I, you know, maybe at times I wish I was like maybe in a different place as far as my dream goes, but in general, like, you know, I just talked about it um, on my social media today. It's like, um, I didn't do like a decade in review or anything like that. Mm-hmm. My 2019 yeah. wasn't the best personally, but it's like, um, if I look at the decade as a whole, uh, I got to do so many things that I almost feel like in telling people, I'm going to do this. It was almost like I had to convince myself because I look back at the things I've done over the last 10 years and I think to myself, oh, I really did that. It was like I was yeah. like, I like tricked myself, you know? Mm-hmm. It's it's pretty surreal to look back at the things I've done over 10 years and, and, and before that, you know, three and a half years before that in wrestling and just think, wow, I... I did all that and I'm still doing stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. That's that. Uh, there was a point where I was like very locked into like, I'm not doing stuff. Cause I think you <laughs> kind of start to compare yourself to others. Maybe sure. Like other people are doing stuff. Mm-hmm. Like, why am I not doing that or whatever? Yeah. And my dad was just like, have you ever just like looked at the things you've done and how crazy half of it is? Like, yeah. Just from like his point of view of being like, he lives in Columbus, Nebraska, 24,000 people, mm-hmm. but he's got to see people from TV and go places and see me do all this stuff. Yeah. So it was a good, and I think like Instagram for me is good for that too. Cause I'll go back and be like, Oh yeah, I forgot about, you know, I this that, cool yeah. thing. Cause I'm very locked into that. I'm not somewhere else. So yeah, that's like a really good to reflect. Yeah. And to take that in to where you're not always just thinking and comparing yourself to mm-hmm. others. Well, and it's good that you have a positive male role model in your dad. Because my dad, I, I love him, but he's an actual moron when it comes <laughs> to like things like that. And just like being open with his emotions or yeah. just expressing that like, I don't know, he's like proud of me or my brothers or anything. And it's yeah. just, uh, 
he he's got the mentality of like a you know a sixty one year old man who like worked a regular job that he hated his whole life and yeah. like didn't pursue his dreams. Like he he always would say as a kid, um, you know, I, I wanted to be a drummer, but I never learned how to read music. Well, you fucking idiot! Like there was <laughs> you literally had to do one thing, yeah. Like and you made an excuse about it, yeah. and you, you just didn't do it. So it's like you know, I like to live by the motto, you know, you find an excuse or you find a way. You know, if yep. you really want to do something. You'll make time for it, right? So uh, I don't know. It's like a constant challenge with my dad uh, to get him to like acknowledge anything cool that I'm I'm doing or anything, yeah. and uh, it, it gets very frustrating, especially knowing that like um, I don't know. I feel like I've done some cool things, and like I guess you just want that uh, conf- confirmation yeah. from your yeah. from your parents, you know? Yeah. Like, hey, I'm doing this thing. Like, I'm not a millionaire, but like yeah. I did it, you know? And uh, I never had that uh, male role model, like I, you know. Um, I was a big fan of like Full House and like uh, those types of shows on like TGIF. Yeah. So like I always like wanted kind of my family to be that way or like go out in the backyard and play catch with my dad and stuff. Not a big sports guy, but like just do things that like normal yeah. kids a bonding, and, yeah. like a yeah. family bonding. Yeah. Families do. So like I didn't have that. So like you know you you had this positive male role model in your life. Like oh you did some cool things. Uh, I had to find the inner strength within yeah. myself. I feel like and like you know. I over the years, a couple close friends that like have been really encouraging, but in general, it's like, uh, I think I've always had to force myself to have the mindsets. Like, you know, it, it's nice and it's, um, you should be able to ask for help from others. Uh, but it's, you have to have the mentality sometimes, especially in the beginning stages of any dream or, or goal. It's like, um, you have to be able to tell yourself if I have no one around to help me and I yeah. really want to do this how am I going to do it? You know? And that's yeah. kind of always been my mindset. It's like back against the wall. Like it's me against the world. And yeah. I just, I got to do my best. It's very yeah. important. Cause that's the way I view things too, where it's like, I don't take for granted like the family support system I have or the friend support system I have. But at the end of the day, if I'm not prepared to look at what I want to do and go at it myself, 100%, do I really want it? Because at the end of the day, that's what it's going to take. Like you can have all the support, your friends or family constantly be in your corner. That's great. But you're the only one who can get the work done. Yeah, absolutely. So you are like, I have to be with myself at the end of the day. I have to be with myself when I wake up. I have to be with myself when I'm doing what I have to do to get to where I have to go. I'm putting in the work. So I'm doing it for me. All that support is great. But if I can't do it for myself, no one's going to get it done. Yeah. So having that, having that reliance where you have to build yourself up. And from anything, it doesn't matter if you come from support or not. It's like if you want to do something, you are going to have to do it. So you have to build yourself up to do it by yourself, regardless of who's around. Absolutely. And yeah. it's good to see it as that because people can be like, oh, I have to go at it alone. This sucks. And then they just go at it out of anger as opposed to, no, you want it. You're going to have to go at it alone. That's just a part of what it is. You can be angry and do it or you can do it as a part of the process for what it is. Yeah. And you get two different totally experiences at it, how you approach it. Absolutely. And, and you know, like uh, uh, a lot of people when they talk to me or they've heard my story, they're like, uh, like, man, you're so inspiring. Like you work so hard or whatever. Um yeah, you make me more positive, but like you talk about like those feelings of like, like, like you're doing it alone. Like it, you know, you get in that mindset where it's like, I have to do this by myself, but like, uh, I don't know about you guys, but I'm an overthinker and oh, like, oh yeah, uh, I sure. try, I try to be as positive as possible, but it's like, um, I, I get wrapped up in my own thoughts and yep. more so because like, I don't know, like I'm straight edge. Like I don't drink, I don't smoke. And like, um, I know like there's, uh, there's a lot of mental health issues in the world now nowadays like we we address them and we're more, more open about them and i'm sure i have plenty of them based on the childhood that i went through and, yeah. and growing up with a disability and being made fun of um but i'm not one of those people that like uh i, I i've never self-medicated myself or anything like that mm-hmm. so it's like um like i force myself to deal with these problems internally and it, it's almost like 
I, and sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm torturing myself. It's like, yeah. uh, like I, I, for whatever reason, like my moral compass, compass won't allow me to drink or smoke because I like seen what my parents went through, even when it comes to marijuana. Like I know there's a lot of uh, medical purposes that you can use marijuana for, but it's like, mm-hmm. I just, I just I can't bring myself to do it. So it's yeah, like, I, yeah. so sometimes like I have these moments where like, um, it's good to go through the bad times so you can appreciate the good shit that much yep. more yeah. but yep. like man there's some moments where i'm just like oh this is so challenging and it, but like i have to remind myself it's challenging it's not hard because yeah. if you view it as hard you know it's like a glass half full glass half empty yeah. situation like it, you have to view it as challenging like it, it isn't impossible you know like it's just another obstacle yeah, yeah. and uh, an obstacle not an obstruction like it's and not stopping you it's just something you have to get yeah i'll back that point up as someone that self-medicated a lot yeah (laughs) i was i was all about that and it's you're not facing up to the things yeah you're kind of avoiding the things you're like numbing things you're doing all that uh like there's a very good comedian he's on the show tonight ben roy Mm -hmm. who has a whole uh, he might not still do it because it's an old bit but it's about sobriety and becoming sober because he had a lot of challenges and it's that all of a sudden the headphones are off and your demons are all there and you have to finally address all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that, you know, that is a very valid thing. That yeah. It's, I was it a stand up comedian for nine years. I had to drink before almost every show. Wow. I would have like a drink just to like be able to do it. And when I realized that I was like, that's not good. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. let's cause yeah. And I do it sober and I'd be like way too like, <laughs> like aware, like, oh, fuck, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, like, where are my hands? What the fuck are my hands doing? Like, yeah, right, okay, the... why is that person looking at me? Like, yeah, yeah but no, for sure. Yeah, that's sobriety is very cool. <laughs> I well, support it. And I've, and like when I, I, cause I've dealt with stuff too. And that was the time where I made sure that I was like sober. I wasn't drinking. I wasn't smoking. And like I had done it before from a young age. Not proud of it. It just is what it is. And I made sure that through that pinnacle time, my mind wasn't. Like, I wasn't inebriated. I wasn't under anything because I was trying to figure out who I am. Yeah. And I know that those those change you in a way where you can't think properly. So you can't properly go through all of the self-reflection, holding yourself accountable when you have these external things affecting how you think. Sure. So I yeah. made sure I, like, I went through that. And I have times where I, I'm like, I need to just be sober and just be in this. But like on occasion, I'll take a shot for somebody's birthday. Yeah. You know, like I, I, I like weed. You know, <laughs> but it's it's not it's not one of those things where oh, I do it because I have to like escape reality. I'm very much still aware of reality, but sure. it's more so one of those things where it just you know it helps. And it's it. I know people who've come from where they've had bad experiences with marijuana, and I'm like, hey, I get it. Yeah. You don't want to see it. You don't want to be around it. You know, it's fine. It's fine. It's perfectly understandable. It's yeah. just different people and just being respectful of like di- different things. It may affect you in a different way. It affects, you know, yeah. somebody else. But it's it is very important, especially when you're going through something. It doesn't matter if you want to use something recreationally later on when you're going through it. The sober mind is the best way to do it. For That's sure. when you make your best decisions. That's when you can be completely honest with yourself. And honestly, making those decisions like to hold yourself accountable Everyone can hold themselves accountable when they're drunk. Like, you drink too much. Oh, I'm not drinking again. I'm never going to yeah. do this. What are you doing the same night? You're drinking again. Right. But if you're yeah. sober and you're like, I'm not drinking because of this reason, because of that, the next time you go to have a drink, even if it's out of habit, you'll look at it and you're like, no. Yeah. Because I'm not, you're making that decision that you don't want to be in that mindset because you have, you know, have work to do. So it's just being, it's really that self awareness where it's like, this is what you need to do. But I, I agree with you. Like, sobriety with <laughs> making those decisions, that's, that is key. Yeah, well, and yeah. I think for me too, it's like I always looked at like people who like who like do stupid shit, and like I think they sometimes use like 
particularly alcohol is like an excuse like yeah. well i was drunk when yeah. i did that and like Absolutely. you know what like i'll go do something stupid right now like i don't yeah. give a fuck and, and i'm and sober I, and, and yeah and, and, I, and i'll just i'll say i did it because i wanted to you know yeah. like like there's no excuse for for my actions like i'll just do it because and if, and if i do something horribly wrong and i'm like well i i fucked up you know like yeah. with my sober frame of mind you know that's that's the way i always think about it but yeah. that's taking accountability too and not everyone sure. can take that self accountability where like oh it's my fault my mistake that falls on me to fix it where it yeah. has to be sometimes people need that blared that blame to share where it's just like oh it's me but because of this or but because of this and at the core of it it is still you sure. it's how you chose to oh yeah yeah and i feel like that's a big growth thing it is for a lot of people once you can finally kind of <laughs> like because i think a lot of like oh man here's here's I think I've already told this one. Well, think of how we're taught. If you make a mistake yeah. and you admit to it, then you get in trouble. But it, No, when you're grown, admit you made a mistake and you learn from it. Like, yeah. That's the whole point of it. But it's where when you're kind of not self-actualized and kind of like not a fully developed human being <laughs> where you'll kind of place blame on anything and anything, everything that you can think of. Because it takes it away from you. Yeah. Because, you know, like there was a point in my life where three girlfriends had cheated on me with a guy named Chris. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> different Chrises, wow. different people. <laughs> so so guess what my brain did? But, like next person I date, they better not have a friend named Chris. <laughs> Instead of being like, maybe this is I'm doing something that's making women seek other things. Now, yeah. were, were, you actually, were you actually insecure about it? Because like for me, like if something yeah. I feel like I get into situations like that all the time and yeah. like um, I look at it and I laugh, yeah. but also I feel like because I would joke about it to the next girlfriend, like yeah. over the top, like all the time, like Chris, 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 like when are you going to find, oh, that guy's named Chris right there. Like yeah. I would always bring it up because I'm so insecure, but I also yeah. want to like make light of the situation. Yeah. Like yeah. I feel like uh, that is a, I, I always felt like it was a healthy way of coping, but as I'm getting older, I'm like, maybe this is like some sort of really yeah. unhealthy thing because like I've gotten myself in the mindset where, especially particularly with my friends, like um, my, my closest friend in the world is, is Johnny Gargano. And he will attest to this because he remembers me when I was very young and bitter. And I like yeah. to think that I've gotten older and a little less bitter, but he always <laughs> goes back to that young and bitter Greg and, and my, I have such indifferent luck. I can't say that I have bad luck because I, I have, you know, a lot of successes in wrestling and I've had successful relationships even if they didn't last. But I, I feel like um, my luck is so, like... I just can't win. It's like, I feel like yeah. I get like two steps forward and like I go one step back, but then like, you know, like then something good happens like the next day. Like uh, I've had two window breaks on my car in oh the last uh, four months. And like, I, I went to go to a show in Detroit on new year's Eve and uh, went to my car, got up, I, I stayed over at Gargano's and I got up, la -di -da -di -da, and he, his mom lives in a bad part of, of Cleveland still. And so I got up, went to my car and like, I sat down, I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go tanning. And then I'm going to go drive to this show. And like this uh, sandwich shop in Detroit, Detroit had uh, named a sandwich after me because they've been sponsoring my podcast. Hell and yeah. uh, I was going to go try the sandwich, make an appearance. And then I look over to my passenger window and it's busted out. And I, and, and I don't know why, but like things like that overwhelm me, like, mm -hmm. especially as I get older. Cause it's like, it's, it's not even a big deal. Like it's like, um, it, my insurance won't cover it, but it's like a $200. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's like a $200 fix. But for me, it's like, this is the end of the world. So I see this broken yeah. fucking window and I'm just like, Jesus, like I can't oh, win. Man. But then of course, like, you know, now the joke is just, it's going to be for the next three months. Like oh, I can't park my car outside of Johnny's house because <laughs> yeah. I'm probably going to get my window smashed. You yeah, know, like, yeah. so it's just like, uh, I, I just, I feel, I don't know if it's a healthy or an unhealthy way of dealing with things, but I don't know. That's how I deal. Yeah. I don't know if I'm going to change. I think it's yeah, like a defensive rambling. coping mechanism because For sure. it, it'll be where you, 
you're thinking of the situation. And I would say, to me, the way I see it, it only really becomes bad or unhealthy if you're allowing what the images or the thoughts you're creating from the situation change how like what actually happened like in the situation other than that i think you deal deal with it like how you cope with it you like we make jokes about terrible things yeah not because we underestimate that terrible shit happens but because terrible shit has happened yeah we've all been through terrible shit but instead of (laughs) thinking about it and fucking crying every time yeah like you just you joke about it because it makes you laugh yeah Yeah. because you have to have that lightheartedness about it like that i i joke with people about some of the darkest shit. Oh, same. <laughs> we've been through the darkest shit, yeah. and we know when you're in it how serious it is. Yeah. You will cry, you will be a mess, you can't think straight. Yeah. But you can't control that. So yeah. you have to at least joke about it. I at least have to laugh at that because, hey, I can't control it, and it sucks when it happens to everyone. But if someone says a good joke, like, I'm going to laugh. Yeah. Look, I, I, I'm very, very morbid in real life, and uh, oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I, you know, I won't. I will stop at nothing for a good joke, and nothing really offends me. And uh, I don't know, like, I, like when I joke, like I, I don't want anyone to like. Um, I don't want to like make fun of someone to their face or like uh, take someone's rights away. But yeah. like, 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 uh, I think I'm able to joke about anything. Do you yeah. know, like, like, yeah. uh, like I like to make people feel uncomfortable all the time because my mom uh, was a drug addict, so I'll go out of my way to like make crackhead mom jokes, particularly to people that like don't even know me. So they'll be like, <laughs> whoa. Like, Whoa, like, and like and like 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 when I say was, it's because my mom is uh, a dead crackhead mom. So then, like yeah. when you, when you throw that out there to people, like uh, I'll give you a perfect example. Like uh, I was working with these adults with developmental disabilities for a few years during the week, and um, really loved that job. And they had an arts, arts and crafts lady, and a couple Mother's Days ago, uh, she was making these. Uh, crafts like out of paper where like it was like two hands and the hands would open and you'd give this to your mom and whatever your mom likes she would put that like a paper version of that in the hands right so it's nice. like clothes like i love you mom and then it opens like here's the other side of the hands what's in it something that mom loves so i walked up to the lady in front of a bunch of other coworkers. i go hey uh could you uh could you make something for my mom? I know you're doing it for a lot of the uh, the consumers, as we call them. Uh, would you mind making something for my mom? And uh, she goes, oh, not at all. What would you like? And I said, well, um, could you, like, get, like, maybe when you open the hands, could you maybe place, like, a, a bag of, like, a baggie of sugar in it? And she's like, <laughs> and she goes, oh, what, does she like, does she like sugar? I'm like, oh, no, no, no. The sugar would symbolize, um cocaine my mom loved crack and then she's she just looked at me uh really disturbed and like didn't know what to say and i was just like and like and when i say she loved crack it's because she's dead and i really think that something like this would be great for me to take to her gravestone it would be the first time i visited her in eight years so i figured i got to take something right and she was so uncomfortable (laughs) by the situation and and like only a couple people around me were laughing. It was really only to entertain myself, yeah. Yeah. so that I could tell other people with a morbid sense of humor, like you'll never <laughs> guess what I did at work today. And like like not even, that that's morbid. But then I would do other stupid shit, like uh, like uh, around the time time of the the school year beginning or ending. I can't remember which one it is, but we, they everyone put up their old. Uh, prom or graduation photos nice. and so they wouldn't put any names so you had to guess like who this person was so like mixed in there uh i put a photo of of, of hulk hogan from his prom where it's like you can't tell it's hulk hogan and i would just i would i would just casually walk by like other employees standing there going like i don't know who that is is that bob <laughs> i don't 
it looks like Bob. I'm not sure. And I'm just like laughing to myself inside because I'm like a little stupid kid. Like I haven't matured at all. Like That's I don't know great. what's wrong. No, you gotta have. You uh, still yeah. you gotta have fun. You gotta have fun. Too, too many people lose their their fun, innocent youthfulness in the seriousness of life. And it's easy to do that. But yeah. You still gotta make yourself laugh over stupid stuff. Yeah. You have to. For sure. You gotta Absolutely. Joke. You gotta have fun because life. Life is too short, as everybody knows. That's <laughs> true. Life is way too short, and why be miserable? Let's, I mean, at least laugh and have some chuckles while yeah. I'm here. Yeah, I'm always down for chuckles. Always down for <laughs> chuckles. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So let's talk about your podcast. Let's talk about that. Because let's talk about it. I've been listening, digging it. What do you think? I love... Anytime anyone takes shots at Hulk Hogan, I have a great time. I love Hulk Hogan, but I but I have to do it. I, yeah. I originally like I had r- written it down in a notebook because I was like I think because I didn't know what the format was right off yeah. the bat for the podcast. So I thought to myself, I, I want to do a whole episode of like Hulk Hogan lies because I feel like no one's ever covered it in depth. Like yeah. as much as I loved Hulk Hogan as a child, like I mean we got to face facts. The guy is notoriously a liar. So yeah. like, and I figured like I started just compiling just off the top of my head, all of yeah. these lies. Oh and, uh, God. and then I started doing research on more lies and, uh, it was it was mind boggling how yeah. many are out there that like, as I'm reading, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like we just did, uh, last couple of weeks. It's been like, um, in, in, uh, his last autobiography, he wrote about, uh, uh, George Foreman and him having a charity boxing match yeah. uh, in front of these kids and how George Foreman hit him so hard that his legs went numb and he told him like stop messing around George and like George just kept laughing and like this fucking match is not documented <laughs> yeah. anywhere like yeah. no one knows anything about this so it's like like you would think surely that this apparently happened in the in the mid 90s like yeah. someone would have covered mid-90s this epic custom matches well, yeah. well, it's, it's, like, it's like this epic battle between yeah. uh, one of the biggest boxers of all time one of the biggest wrestler like you think someone would have yeah. would have covered somewhere. this uh or there, there's one we haven't talked about yet where it's like uh he claims that on pay-per-view in wcw once he almost wrestled uh mike tyson but mike tyson was afraid that he was going to shoot on him wow Wait, mike tyson was mike, afraid, mike tyson was was afraid of shoot on hulk mike tyson. that alone yeah. is hilarious <laughs> yeah so, i just want to i want to yeah. get at the point where that would have happened yeah it's at it's, that point yeah. Mike Tyson. He was afraid yeah, yeah. Of, of Hollywood Hulk Hogan, brother. Mike Tyson oh would have fucked Hulk Hogan up in a heartbeat. Uh, I don't know, man. <laughs> I would have absolutely paid to see it. I, but like that's something he claims, and I, I'm trying to think what what we've done the last couple of weeks. Just uh, I don't know. In general, like Hogan's a liar, so I f- figured yeah. instead of doing an episode, let's just do a segment every week. Oh and it's God. funny. I'm good friends with the guy from Kayfabe News who does that website, Hell and yeah. uh, he made a tweet about it, and he said uh, it's just unfortunate that. Uh, uh, Gregory Iron's going to run out of material for this live of the week after like 834 weeks. So, uh, so it's, it's going to be sad when it comes to an end, but I'm going to try to ride it out as long as I can. You know? oh my but, what, but what else do you dig about the show? Like, I'd like to hear feedback because I I, I'm still like, I, I'm new to it. You know, the Tommy Dreamer episode. Fantastic. Thank you. I dug it. Thank you. I love it. Yeah, I'm, lo- I'm loving doing it. Yeah. That's my favorite at work. Throw on a podcast. Mm-hmm. It's nice. And that's why I'm behind on podcasts because since I quit my job, I don't just listen to them yeah. and plug away anymore. Yeah. So but yeah, but we're talking about Iron On Wrestling. Yeah. Iron On Wrestling every yeah. Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, no set time on Wednesday. I just try to get it up. I try to get it up by midnight on Wednesday. But you know, sometimes with my schedule, you know, I was talking to you earlier about it. Uh, it's it's rough. I, I don't know why I picked Wednesday because with my wrestling travel schedule, like yeah. Wednesday was probably the worst day I could have possibly <laughs> picked uh, because you know sometimes uh, I I usually get home by Monday, but if I don't, like it throws everything off because I try to record the intro for the show on Monday night. Yeah, um, and. I try to link it up with whatever um, 
I try to pull something out of the interview with the person uh, that I already recorded. And oh, I kind of yeah. try to like focus on that or maybe something that happened in my week in wrestling or a story that relates to a story that we talked about in the interview. And then Tuesday, it all gets edited and it gets put up on Wednesday. And it's like, you know, if I'm not home by Monday, then the whole schedule is thrown off. Yeah. So then all day Tuesday is me tr- struggling with the podcast up or, or worst case scenario Wednesday. And it's yeah. just like uh, it's, it's it's a constant grind and a constant job. But I'm I'm loving doing it and I'm yeah. getting great feedback from it. And I'm figuring it out. And it's something that, um, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin of all people suggested me that I do like two years ago. Yeah. And uh, at the time, it was just like, uh, you know, everyone has a podcast like, I don't know. And uh this this past year, I quit my job and focused just on wrestling and motivational yeah. speaking. And uh, someone invested in podcasting equipment for me, so I figured, well, let me try to. Uh, and obviously, that's not my sole purpose for doing it, but like, let me try to monetize this. You know, like, yeah. um, and, and I've been picking the brains of guys like Cole Cabana and stuff, and just seeing like, you know, uh, how do you get the momentum going on the podcast? And uh, I think we got a solid following thus far. And uh, I don't know. I'm excited about what the future holds for me. I'm, I'm really enjoying doing it and just like sitting with my friends and, and mm-hmm. talking wrestling and life and um, more so than anything. And I feel like not a lot of wrestler to wrestler podcasts do this. Um, I really like delving into psychology. I mean, the, re- the wrestling business is so, um, I guess, exposed for lack of a better term these days. I, I think the real fans truly appreciate like hearing the inner workings. And I yeah. really think they mm-hmm. makes them appreciate it more. You know, I, I recently talked about this to, I think Veda Scott, where we were talking about how, um, you know, I, I'm, um, I take a lot of pride in, in my psychology and the way I call matches and stuff. And, uh, I want people to know, like, when they see a match, like, uh, and maybe not right away because I do want to create some sort of aura, like, like, do these guys really hate each other, whatever the case may be, but, like, but yeah. down the line at some point, like, I do like telling the story of, like, that spot right there, like, that was my idea, like, this story arc in the match, like, this was my idea because, to me, wrestling is my art form and in a lot of ways, too, uh, I guess my drug, I'm very much addicted to it. I <laughs> yeah. can't stop it. Yeah, I can't yeah. quit you wrestling. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I want people to know, like, like my mindset when it comes to planning a match and, like, what goes into it and, like, know that, like, especially people – and I'm sure people that – just dismiss wrestling as fake aren't tuning in the podcast anyways, but like maybe a wrestling fan can can uh, play my podcast for someone or a clip from the podcast and, and help them understand that like, you know, um, I think people that dismiss wrestling as fake often don't understand what really goes into a match process. Yeah. I mean, think about the ridiculousness of pro wrestling. It's like, so chances are, um, it's not the case tonight because I, I know who I'm working with tonight, but um, chances are I get into a town. Uh, I just flew all day or I drove all day. I'm very tired. I'm going to meet someone for the first time. Yep. Uh, I'm going to trust him with my well-being. He's going to trust me with, with his well-being, and we're going to plan this match. And then, you know, people will often ask, well, how many times did you go through that spot right there? And it'll be one of those things where it's like, well, we never actually practice it yeah. once. Yeah. We just talked about mm-hmm. it and we walked through the motions of it. And, uh, I like to try to map out like what's going to go wrong, um, based on my experience. Like sometimes like as I'm playing out the match that we just called in my head, I'll come back to the guy and go, Hey, when I do this here, you know, you have to be here, right? Just to make sure we're on the same page. Okay, good. And yeah. then like when I go to the ring, uh, not only am I remembering this 10, 12, 15, 20 minute match that I just planned with some dude I don't know, uh, now I have to find where the cameras are and I got to play to them. If something goes wrong, I got to change and adapt. If the crowd wants something specific, I have to adapt to that. And I have to remember to like interact with the crowd in general. And it's just like, um, take all the bumps out of a pro wrestling match and someone who just says, well, wrestling's fake. Yeah. You still couldn't do what I do. And no. I think like, that's like the incredible thing about wrestling that I think just your average person 
doesn't understand. Yeah. And if I could like somehow bring that to light is with the wrestling fans, they can get a bigger appreciation for it. And then, you know, people that are non-fans, they can go, wow, these guys really are artists and athletes and mm-hmm. yeah. quit dismissing us as just, you know, quote fake. Yeah, that's definitely once you kind of see that it's definitely like kind of an improv based athletic like that there's so much more to it than the initial understanding of like, oh, they are, know who's going to win. They just go out there and they like do the thing. And it's like there's so much more to it where yeah. like the tiny bit I was involved as a manager for a little mm-hmm. bit, I got way too into, okay, now that's what's going to happen. And that, <laughs> to the point where I realized I was staring and just going like this. Like, <laughs> oh, you still have to also be the yeah. Well, and, 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 yeah. A, and a seasoned guy like like myself, like I noticed that. Like, yeah. I, And then like I like to critique guys and like I've been doing a lot more seminars and like pick them apart where it's like, you know, you got to get past that point eventually where it's like I – Maybe your average fan doesn't notice, but like I could see when you're thinking. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like that sounds weird to say, but like I could see it on your face. Like you're thinking about the next move, and you have to like it, it's like next level pro wrestling. Like you have to get to the point where it's like uh, your match is planned. You have backup plans if something goes wrong, and you're thinking one move ahead every time. Like oh, literally, yeah. as I'm getting picked up and slammed, I'm thinking. Where am I going? What's the next thing happening? And like, um, I'm not perfect. Sometimes I forget stuff, but like, I'm very proud of the fact that, um, after doing this nearly 14 years, like, um, especially with technical brain damage, you know, from birth with cerebral palsy, it's Mm -hmm. like the fact that I can remember both my part and another guy's part of the match, if he gets lost and like go through the whole motions of it, like, um, I think it's pretty incredible. And then I use that, you know, as a way to make fun of guys who suck when I go like, (laughs) you know, like, why do you suck? I technically have brain damage, dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, like you must really fucking suck. Yeah. So I don't know. I feel like that's what I'm gonna hear later. Yeah. Why yeah. are you so terrible in this? Right? I'll walk right up to you. Well, and, and, and but and, and then, but then like also too like, uh, you know I I like um, trying to look like a wrestler. You know, and there's some guys that like some guys it works for them. You know, like them not being in shape or whatever. But like um, at least try a little bit. You know, yeah. like I don't know. Like I I really take pride in like I just don't coast on being like the wrestler with cerebral palsy because I could, yeah. I really could. But like, I like to, to look the part. And like, sometimes when I see guys that like clearly don't care and aren't yeah. good wrestlers, yeah. they don't care about their physique. They don't care about the in-ring stuff. There's those guys. And I'm sure you dudes have, have interacted with them on shows where it's like, uh, they're the brother, brother, 40 milers who just want to justify their existence by telling their friends. Like when they ask what they do for a profession, they don't say I work at the gas station down the street. They go, I'm a pro wrestler, yeah. you know? And, and they, they, all they think about is, or all they thought about when they got into pro wrestling was what is my entrance music going to be? What kind of cocky heel am I going to be? Yep. And then, uh, do I get to raise a belt over my head on the top rope? Like the rock, yep. do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. They don't think yeah. about like the, the rigors and the grind yeah. and the hustle that really comes along with like yeah. being successful and being actually good at pro wrestling. And yeah. I'm really going off on a tangent. I think the being good. No, I think the being good part is important because being, you could get in a ring. You can actually remember a match. You can actually execute your moves. You can get through an entire match, finish, no fuck-ups. And that still doesn't make you good at wrestling. Yeah. No. And, and it the, still doesn't make you good at wrestling. And, and that the, you, it's the challenge to find how you can be good at wrestling. Yeah. How you specifically can be good at wrestling. Because there's different there's, – there's an overall thing of where we unite as wrestlers. Yeah. But how you do it is what sticks. Yeah. Is what's and the, special. the thing about everything you said, it can be applied to any – form of performance almost sure yeah absolutely because i was, was like i was having mad theater vibes yeah i would yeah. always uh, there were i would listen to wrestling podcasts and kind of apply some of those mentality and mm-hmm. some of the like thought into like comedy mm-hmm. or like these other like music you can that's uh, involving yourselves in all these different things you pick up 
little things from everything. That's why it's great. Yeah. Like you can be like, I don't really, maybe you're not a fan of wrestling, but you can still listen Mm-hmm. To it and be like, that is an interesting way to think of like how to approach. It's fascinating things, and it, it, everything's involved yeah. with the work to build up to the thing. And like you just said, there's people who their only thought is like, I want to put comedian in my Facebook profile as yep. a job, or rock and roll musician, or every girl ever yeah. model. Yeah, yeah. Model. Oh, someone bought a nice camera and they took pictures <laughs> yeah. of you, so you're a fucking model, right? Someone okay. got the new iPhone. I'm yeah. a model now. Yeah, go figure. <laughs> Hey, but do it. Yeah, if that do yeah, it, do it. But we we have all these we all have no. all these insecurities as a society that where we like we have to put like a a, a bigger label on yeah. ourselves than what we are, but we don't want to put in the work to like really live to up to that label. Yeah. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm rough. an influencer number one. <laughs> First and foremost, <laughs> I'm influencing so many people. It's true to be better that than is not true. be me. Yeah. That is true. You made me get back into comedy where I was like, okay, I like comedy. I like yeah. comedy. Yeah, you know. I I do want to make clear though, like I don't want to like make it seem like I think I'm like the best wrestler in the world because I, I don't. Oh no, um, of course I'm, I'm yeah. my own biggest critic. I'm a perfectionist. Like, um, I, 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 I've just found a way to, for the most part, and again, I'm still learning, but, um, hide my negatives and accentuate my positives as a, mm-hmm. as a performer. Like I, I don't think I'm athletic. I feel like I've tricked everyone yeah. into thinking I'm athletic because I figured out, well, I do the worst drop kick of all time. So maybe I should stop doing a drop kick. And yeah. I, and, and even though I idolize, uh, the wrestling style of, of, of Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit and, and, uh, Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho, um, I can't necessarily wrestle those styles because of my disability. But if I could take certain moves from them that I can do, or more yeah. importantly, what guys forget about the importance of transitioning timing, like uh, just a little storytelling aspect from those guys and yeah. like incorporating them into what I do. Like not only do I um, still pay tribute to those guys in some way, but now I'm creating the first Gregory Iron instead of being the yeah. next Kring or Chris and Benoit, that's which is very you know, important. You that's can huge. Try and be the next. I didn't like that. The next this, the yeah. next that. Yeah. Or I can yeah. be the first this. I can be the first of my kind. I can be something different. Yeah. And like, man, that just makes me think. Like two years into stand-up, mm-hmm. someone told me, they're like, they're like, you're not good at this. Like, <laughs> like you're, you, uh, the other comedians do this. Like, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Like, have all these punchlines. Why don't you write jokes? And I'm like, I don't know. I just kind of go up and talk. Yeah. But I forced myself to like, Okay, this is what these guys are doing. They're all wearing plaid shirts, button-up shirts, and going up there talking about jerking yeah. off. All right, all right. Well, you fall, you fall in line with what's being done with what you want. And that to was do. the absolute worst comedy I've ever done was when I was trying to. Yeah. Okay, this is what you have to do. Yeah. And then I finally just didn't give a shit and just cut loose and you find your own voice. That's mm-hmm. a big part of it. But uh, yeah, when you're just like, you know, I'm just gonna do the stuff I know I'm good at, and exactly what you were saying with like, you know, here's my strengths, here's my weaknesses. You're not gonna. Like, I'm not going to... What are my weaknesses? Punchlines. Why would I write a punchline? Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to tell stories about my parents having sex. Find the the jokes within the story. Yeah. 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 Well, I I think it's one of those things, too, where it's like uh, everything goes through uh, phases where, like, uh, everyone's doing a certain type of thing. And and a lot of the times, like those are just that phases, right? Like, uh, they don't really last. It's the people that actually try to stand out that like people always remember. Yeah. It's kind of like, um, you know, I, I heard on an earlier episode, uh, you guys reference a lot about limp biscuit and stuff. And, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. Uh, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very fond of now limp biscuit and Fred Durst. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very fond of Fred Durst and, and new metal, but like new metal yeah. was one of those things that, uh, 
it didn't last. You know, no, it, it didn't, didn't. It did not stand the test of time. But it's it one of made the, an impact. It, it made an impact, Boy, it especially an impact. in the world of pro wrestling. Fuck and it's yeah. like I look back fondly. Uh, like literally, this is. Uh, I don't know if you guys know. I'm very good at like wrestling trivia, especially when Ooh. it comes to WWF stuff. Okay. I no joke. And I will do it at the end of this if you want me to, but because I'm pretty sure I can. Yeah. I can literally name every theme song for every pay-per-view that the WF put on from oh like pr- starting from like SummerSlam 98 when they basically started the, with the official theme songs. Yeah. Um, technically, let's start at my way to uh, 2001 WrestleMania 17 there it is. all the way up to like literally I could probably go up to 2006 or 2007 and not get one wrong. It's quite sad, but that was what the, yeah. the influence Look of new metal that. on my Look life. Right. But but it was something that didn't last. And I think in the same regard, like you talked about in comedy, uh, I think it's the same way in wrestling right now where like a lot of guys who aren't that good at wrestling mm-hmm. uh, in a time period of wrestling is very hot. Uh, I think there's this trend of like guys that just want to like do death matches and jump yeah. off of high things. And like, I have no problem with death matches. I want to make that perfectly yeah. clear, but I do think that there's, there's a, a certain way that you can do a death match where it still has a story. Mm-hmm. It still has psychology. And I point to guys like Ricky Shane page and like Matt Tremont. It's like two of like the premier death match wrestlers as far as like these guys can do death match style. Yeah. But like they can actually go and like when they do a death match, they can tell a story too. And I think there's yeah. a lot of guys that like are taking the easy way now like well i'm not very good at wrestling so i'll just jump off the top of this building or i'll put someone <laughs> through a door because doors are the hot thing now and yeah. uh i i don't think that's gonna last you know i don't think that's gonna stand the test of time but you know uh, yeah I, I, I could be wrong no that's, but I, mean, I think you're absolutely correct true and it's oversaturation of like one thing that's yeah. why when ecw went out people were like let's replace ecw and you had a million yeah mini ecw xpw czw like right off the bat like before ecw even ended you yeah. know like and everyone's gonna be the next around. ECW yeah. but like no one ever was the next ECW and the know? only reason like some stuck around is because ECW was no longer there so you didn't have the benchmark you were looking up to to get there yep. but there's all of this going around now yeah. so now it's oversaturated and it loses its value because you have people who did it well who can do it well but it's getting oversaturated with people who just they don't notice the psychology in a death match. They don't notice yeah. how they're working in a death yeah. match. They just know, oh, I remember he did this and that, and then there was a suplex, I think, and then they just started going through tables and chairs and ladders yeah. and barbed wire. Yeah. And it's like, no, they told a story before that, and that's why the tables and ladders and chairs and barbed wire meant so much more than just going into it in the first five minutes of a match like what you did because yeah. you're not telling a story. You think we want hard-hitting action. Yeah, people want to come see blood and people and stuff get smashed to shit, but... There's a story that's getting people involved in there. If you're yeah. telling a good yeah. story, I want to see what's happening. It's yep. just like Limp Biscuit, you know, like they created a whole genre of music. That's right. And then all these other perpetrators tried to copy them and just, you know, watered it all down for everybody. Sad man. Yeah. Sad. You know, there was a um I don't know if you guys POD. saw POD. Huh? <laughs> Limp Biscuit, POD. Oh my god. I Dude, POD. I see POD tight. in concert. Oh, really no, let's bad. go through some POD's of these other tight. new metal bands. Let's go through some of these other ones. POD's tight. I like POD. Yeah. I, I saw them in concert, they're really bad. Yeah. yeah. Like, like literally, like you could tell, like this guy was like lip syncing because it was like so terrible when he was actually singing. Oh so they gosh. started like just playing the actual music over the thing. Um, just, uh, you know, a couple years ago, there was a rumor that um, uh, me being from Cleveland, Dayton, Ohio is like three hours away. It went viral. So I don't know if you guys saw this, <laughs> but there was a rumor that Limp Biscuit was going to play at a Sunoco gas station oh my uh, in Dayton, Ohio. And I do you remember this? when I saw that I was like, I wrestled for a while. I was wrestling in Dayton, which is three hours from my house, like every Wednesday. So like I'd literally get off work at four o'clock, drive to Dayton for a seven thirty bell time, you know? So if I didn't stop, I'd show right up at bell time, get dressed, call a match, brother, brother, go out there and do it. Yeah. Right. And it, honestly doing that every week really helped me as a performer as far oh, as I'm like, sure. uh, you know, just having some, 
some ideas in my back pocket so that way i'm not like lingering for like an hour like what do i want to do it's like i'm on the way there i'm like i already have the match planned you know yeah. but anyways um i figured i'm going there three hours for for wrestling every week why not just drive out of my way for a limp biscuit and yeah. then it turned out like um someone had made it up and yeah. then but like that day like the news was there oh and like gosh. like people actually came out to the sunoco and like limp biscuit had made a announcement like the day before something was like yo we're not yeah. putting on a concert at sunoco and so <laughs> oh like we're not prob- going there. probably one of the most disappointing uh it's, moments of my the life band hasn't it's played like, together in five years we will not be reuniting it's like a, a predecessor <laughs> to that area 51 thing oh yeah <laughs> yes. like, yeah that's so funny oh, yeah man. That Maybe the next one will be shit. that Limp Biscuit is going to invade Area 51. Oh, it's going to come full we're starting circle. it right now. That'd be great. <laughs> Limp Biscuit, POD. <laughs> All of your new metal bands are taking over Area 51. Wow. Well, it was it was one of those weird things. Like uh, Slipknot's like somehow popular again. Yeah. Like uh, I again, I have no problem with Slipknot. I love new metal. Yeah. Uh, but like when when you know NXT decided like oh, yeah, yeah, our, our theme song's going to be Slipknot. You yeah. know, I thought to myself. Wouldn't it have been cooler if you guys would have done this in 2001 or something? Yeah. You know, and the best part is, you know, uh, again, Gargano being my boy, like I know he doesn't listen to Slipknot at all. So, you know, the uh, the one day he sends me a text message and he goes, uh, so uh, I just filmed a music video with Slipknot today. And I go, in my head, I'm thinking to myself, like I thought he meant like an actual <laughs> music video for Slipknot. I'm like, what the fuck? How could that have happened? Yeah. And so I was like, that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard in my life. And yeah. uh, he, and then it ended up being the intro for NXT where they had to like mouth the words yeah, to a Slipknot yeah. song, like, "We are not your kind." And like when it came out, like. I'm sure I found it more funny than anyone else because I know Johnny so well. But I'm just like, this is so weird and forced. And like, yeah. he was just like, oh, it was even weirder filming it because we just had to like all together keep lip syncing the words together. And, like, oh my god! I'm gonna say I'm glad I'm not the only one who initially thought that when I saw that. But I was like, you know what? <laughs> it's not my thing, so I'm just gonna. I mean, like, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't like, necessarily. But yeah. somebody else pointed that out because I was like, why are you having the NXT superstar sing? A, uh, a a cover for Slipknot yeah. to this song. You I, know, I, I was do I, your actions, but why are you? Yeah, yeah. No, I, you know, I was I wasn't opposed to no, it. No, it's not opposed yeah. to it, but you can tell where it looks. It doesn't yeah. look right. Well, really, it, I, really I think it just made it worse knowing that I know Johnny is not listening to Slipknot or yeah. singing Slipknot. And uh, yeah. but I do really, I, I've always appreciated the uh, the WWE video packages, and I think that's why I got so immersed in like the music and everything. And because yeah. like uh, I don't know, like it, it it just added that larger than life feel for me, especially you know coming up um, as a teenager in the Attitude Era. Like yeah. Uh, yeah. like it really. Um, I don't know. WWE has this ability, and really anyone that can produce a good video package has this ability to take a match that could be meh and make you be like, fuck yeah, It'll like I want to yeah. see that. Like you could take like Great Khali versus Batista and be like, I guess I want to watch this yeah, match. You, put, this you put the right yeah. song behind it and yeah. stuff and like do enough clips for it, you know? Yeah. I don't know. Like it's, one of, still, one of my favorite promos that they ever did was the, uh, the lead into WrestleMania 30. Yeah, Daniel, the Daniel Bryan monster, monster package. Yeah, that Ooh, still to this day is one of the best promo Great. packages ever. Yeah, I'm but, like this shit is a mo- like you have me feeling all of these. F- I teared up when I was watching it. Yeah. I was like, this is good. Like, this package. is really good. Uh, leave the memories alone, Ric Flair. Like, mm-hmm. uh, oh, like they, yeah. they. I feel like they've gotten more sporadic as far as like song choices over yeah, the years. Yeah. Like, I don't really. Uh, again, it doesn't have to be new metal, but like sometimes their song choices are like, eh, I don't know about that. But when they did the Ric Flair thing, like that's it's pretty iconic. You yeah, know, like yeah. anytime someone retires or something, now it's like, well, leave the memories alone. Like, yeah. especially like if it's someone who sucks, it's like, oh, this guy's leaving. Leave the memories alone. Like <laughs> no one actually cares, but like let's mock him. Uh, but uh, when they did the Shawn Michaels retirement video package, mm-hmm. they used that Verb Pipe song from the movie. 
Rockstar. Oh my uh, god, that was a really good video package. Yeah, and like perfect. you know that line at the end where like Shawn Michaels is like uh, you know he's talking about his kids and he says like babies, daddy's coming yeah. home. You know yeah. like it's oh just like god. it's just like it's at the right point. Yeah, You're like, yeah man. Oh, Shawn like, Michaels. Like the way they edit together and like there's a. There's a uh, method to a good video package, I think. Uh, I, I always call it, like, uh, it's the my sacrifice rule, right? Because yes. those desire videos, like, really created and uh, I think really etched uh, WWE's place as far as, like, wrestling video packages. Oh, like, yeah. we are the premier wrestling video oh, package sure. uh, organization oh, sure. because, like, uh, you know, like, there's a way that you, like, have to structure. And, and it helped me creating music videos, too, and getting into it because uh, for a while I helped uh, write and edit uh, a TV show in Cleveland with uh, Johnny Gargano uh, called Pro Wrestling Ohio, and it later nice. became Prime Wrestling. And, like, there was a lot of potential that could have been with that promotion because it I was remember available. Hearing you guys talk about it. On yeah, 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 yeah. It was it was available on like uh, Sports Time Ohio, which was available literally anywhere in the country. And the promoter was such a piece of shit sometimes when it came <laughs> in terms of like booking talent. Yeah. To this day, people still walk up to me in, in all states and are like, "You used to love watching you on PWO," and I'm just like, and it just makes me mad because yeah. I'm like, it could have been so much better. But like, oh. I but I used to have like this my sacrifice rule of editing videos where it was like, you know, you got to like start like slow like mm -hmm. like the stone cold one was the one that i always used was like uh stone cold he's coming through the curtain describing what it feels like to like be a wwf superstar you know yeah. and then like and then he's just beating ass the whole video you know and it's funny to think now but like like uh without any context uh, yeah he's just beating ass to creed yeah. you know <laughs> scott Stapp is just like in the background while stone cold's just beating the shit out of people but he's just beating ass to creed and like stunning people and hitting people in the head with chairs and it's like oh badass but then there's that part where like you know the song comes down and when yep. the song comes down yep. then and now Stone Cold's hurt and he's selling, right? Yeah. And like he doesn't know if he can take it anymore, right? Like it's, it's, it's we don't yep. know. The song's got to pick back up, right? So something's oh good's got to happen, right? So as it comes down, he's selling, 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 and then you get that iconic shot from WrestleMania 13 when he's in the sharpshooter and the blood's pouring down his face, and it's like yeah. you know what? There's still some fight in him, and then the song picks back yeah. up, bop, 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 and then all of a sudden, chair shot, chair shot, chair shot, stunner, 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 <laughs> and uh, you know, like that's how you make a wrestling music that's video, beautiful. man. Like when they don't do it like yeah. that, like it's just disappointing. That's art. That's, that's a, true. That's art. another different eye. As somebody who's gotten more into editing sound and video that's a different eye yeah of seeing something and be like i can take all these different moments and build it up to this full crescendo of yeah. what you need and tell this story but that's also that's long-term storytelling like when you look at wrestling yeah how can you talk about the epicness of stone cold's wrestlemania 13 moment where he's in the sharpshooter he's just bleeding just pouring blood if you don't yeah. see how he started yeah. if you don't see the point of like when him and brett were in that point like yeah. how they went into that match. That's long-term storytelling. That's character development over years. Yep. And even like after that, it just kept going. To this day, he doesn't even wrestle, but it's still like he still <laughs> grows. Yeah. And it's having the right music too. Yeah. Cuz they'll it's be like the that's why that's why I'm very critical of like entrance music. Oh my gosh. Like when people well, come out to stuff, you can come out to a song that you like, but if the lyrics don't match your gimmick or your character, the song doesn't really match how you wrestle or anything. What, like, why are you, you have to, your presentation has to match yeah. how you're going to actually perform. There's so many like YouTube uh, videos of like, you know, clips from shows or clips from certain wrestling things that I have to mute because the music's so bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like just the worst like, what is this? modern day new metal shit where it's yeah. just like, oh, yeah. so I mute it and I'll be like, okay, this is, this would be so much better <laughs> with good music, but yeah. dear God. That's why I edit highlight wrestling videos to Barbie girl. 
It's the way to go. <laughs> so just That's something interesting to listen to, but you're like, damn, he's beating the shit out of here. Yo, so they made they once edited a CZW video package. Uh, it was the official video package to uh, what was it? Uh, Backstreet Boys, uh, Backstreets Back. Oh my yeah. god! Like they use that, and it, dude. I'm pretty on, sure, yeah. That's on amazing. paper, it might not sound like no, good, it, especially yeah. with like hardcore shit happening. Yeah. But it is a good video. And yeah. oh, you know what? I want to reference this one real quick because like there's in the time we live in, like we have the ability to make incredible video packages on the independence now. And Hell yeah. uh, there was a match between Onita and Matt Tremont that happened a few years ago that Giancarlo made, um, who now works for WWE. And I've told him this to his face, like literally. I, th- I knew Onita coming to the States was a big deal because he hadn't been here in forever. You know, deathmatch yeah. legend from Japan and uh, him wrestling Tremont. I was like, this is going to be pretty good, right? And I didn't have a show that day. And Ricky Shane Page was booked, and he's a good friend of mine. And uh, it was like a few days before the show. And he's just like, hey, watch this video package for uh, Tremont and Onita. And oh I went to the gym. And this makes me sound like a psychopath, but I do this. <laughs> I do this with a lot of video packages because I just like to like memorize the beats and stuff. Maybe it's an autistic thing. I don't know if I'm autistic. I might be. <laughs> Whatever. But uh, so I go on the elliptical at the gym and I pull up this video and it's set to the song "Praying" by Kesha. Okay, again for a, for a deathmatch video, okay. it probably doesn't sound cool. But the way he built this video yes. and like just the beats of the video, and there's just a moment towards the end where like the song picks up, where like Kesha's voice is getting like really loud, and like uh, Tremont looks in the camera covered in blood, and he's like calling out Onita. He goes, "Onita, Onita!" And the, and the fucking the the camera pans out, and they just flashes of like ass beating. You know what I mean? Oh like because that's gosh. again that's key in any wrestling video packages. You need flashes yeah, of you ass. Kick some ass. Yeah, show you kick some ass. Yeah, yeah. So like after I saw this video package literally i watched it on the elliptical at the gym for like 45 minutes straight just over and over and over and over and i got back to the house and i go ricky i'm coming to this show with you and i walked up to Giancarlo when i saw him that weekend i go dude your video made me come to this show you know what i mean like that's a powerful thing and like me as a performer yeah i don't get get that excited about things anymore so it's like if you're like getting me into the video with a video package like how many other people might have showed up just because of that video package i don't know shit right there that is good yeah shit and that's an important thing to have audio visual stuff tied into yeah whatever you're doing because it is a powerful well, thing and it's also and it can too, reach other people yeah don't limit your creativity how many people would think to put like a kesher song onto something like that yeah. but if it works there's beats and moments if it works yeah it works for sure like <laughs> hell yeah like that's what i'm all that's what i'm all about like just having that that mesh that cohesion between what you like what you do and how you present yourself yeah i love i'm i'm big on that yeah I'm, dude, I love audio visual. <laughs> That's just my, like, I love audio and I love visual, yeah. especially together. <laughs> Hell yeah. I think we're about getting there. Yeah, we're, we're about getting there, man. Yeah, yeah that was, that, that was, was good. But so cool. what, uh, with you, you know, starting your podcast, what has it, has it helped you focus on anything more? Have you noticed like a difference since you started doing it? You know, uh, it makes me really pay attention more I guess like as far as like what's going on currently not that I don't mm-hmm. I think I'm pretty observant but it makes me uh I think it makes me appreciate other wrestlers more and like uh, a lot of the guys that I've had on my podcast have been like friends or like um you know like I, I would say friendly at shows but it's like I'd like to know more about this person mm-hmm. and yeah. just like sitting down with guys like uh Effie and Danhausen and, and Gentleman Jervis uh it's really made me appreciate their individual stories and like the paths and the journeys that they've taken, uh, to become pro wrestlers. Hell and, yeah. uh, 
I don't know. Like, I just, I like the positive feedback that I get from people listening, like, you know, particularly like the Jervis episode, like we talked a lot about mental health and uh, we really opened up about our childhoods and uh, that resonated with a lot of people. I think people like to feel like, you know, kind of like we alluded to earlier, like that they're not alone, that they're yeah. not going through like these experiences uh, by themselves. Like other people in prominent positions have experienced the same things. And uh, that's a pretty powerful thing. And I think that's a lesson that I've learned from wrestling in general. It's like um, when I got into wrestling in 2006, you know, as we talked about earlier, you know, it was, it was to kind of say fuck you to everyone, you know, mm-hmm. like and throw it back in their face and go, ha ha, I became a pro wrestler, you know, and especially people from high school that uh, had their peak that four, those four oh, years yeah. that talk yeah. shit to me because oh, then, yeah. then the second they graduated they became fat slobs so uh, <laughs> shout out to all you fat slobs who gave up on your dreams and like I would much rather <laughs> I would much rather have, have sucked for those four years of high school than yeah. my entire life yeah. so uh, yeah, that's sure. so it's really perspective but not to sound like a bitter asshole like that but <laughs> but in general like when I got into wrestling it was like I just want to be able to like throw it back in people's faces and looking back that's totally the wrong reason like mm-hmm. yeah. once because it's just this is just who I am as a person being an open book and like utilizing my real story to convey my character and yeah. in a lot of ways my character is me um at I don't believe in that saying that people say where it's like, well, your character is you with the volume turn up. To an extent, yes, but like sometimes we do things as performers that we would never do in real life. Like, 100%. you know, like, I, yeah. like, I, like, 100%. for ex- like perfect examples, like, you know, I don't know if Rikishi goes around trying to, uh, uh, yeah, but do, his do, ass do hit runs. Faces. Well, not even that. Like, like, you know, when he ran down Stone Cold Steve Austin, oh, like, yeah, yeah, I don't think, I don't think he was caught. trying to, yeah. uh, uh, do ve- vehicular manslaughter. Yeah, he, he did it for The Rock. <laughs> so, like, like, I do think that, like, we are kind of ourselves turned up, but like, you know, it's this artistic outlet and freedom where we're like, we get to do different things. Right. But mm-hmm. like, um, social media is very important in this day and age, but the human connection that we can make with people at shows and, um, just knowing that like sharing my story or my character and it applies to any wrestler. It's not just my story because like I'm this wrestler with a disability. Like yeah. we can, we can share a part of ourselves and it resonates with people. And I've realized that that's so much more powerful than anything that we do bell to bell. You know, I mean, obviously that's a big part of the story too. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we convey our story uh, through movement without even, we don't even have to uh, say a word. And I think that's a powerful thing in itself. It's oh, like, yeah. you know, you can cut out my tongue and uh, I could never speak again, but if I still have the ability to go into a ring and perform, I could still speak to you, you oh, know? Yeah. Like, and I think that's super powerful in itself. So it's like to be in a position where um, I could do something that I love and at the same time, I can motivate people and encourage people to think like, Hey, if this dude with a weird hand is doing it, like, you know, maybe I could do it too. Like yeah. that's, that's a pretty powerful thing. And I, so I think that's what I've been learning from the podcast and wrestling in ger- general. And it's helped me grow as a human being and, and mature. Like I, I, I grew up with wrestling and wrestling helped me grow up, you know, like nice. it, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It's great. I love that. That's Especially discussing mental health in, in the entertainment world and aspect, because there's a lot of stuff that just as an entertainer, you go through, and in anything, when you're like in the shit, you just you you put on your blinders and you just block everything out. You have to because you're focused. Sure. But I mean, especially with entertainment, your job is to connect with people. And if you're connecting with people, because this is something I go through, I will connect with people. I will make you have a good time. And then after that, I'm just depressed. Like yeah. I don't know yeah. what to do. Yeah. And it's nothing that anyone else can do, and it's nothing like that I can necessarily stop, but I can control how it affects me, and I can at least try and get the better of it. But the world of entertainment is so damn mentally stressful that people yeah. don't talk yeah. about it enough where it's like, yeah, you're doing all this. You're giving so much of yourself to other people. But how much of yourself are you actually keeping for you to like 
be good with you. So seeing all these people who entertain everyone now talk about like, well, what I have to do to be better for me or like, what are you dealing with? I think is great, especially like in a world of wrestling or I mean, entertainment in general, but let's focus on wrestling. How many times have we heard people who have issues that they didn't talk about like have to suffer from them when they didn't? And it's yeah. just because there is a space, the stigma that you don't talk about it. I love that people are talking about it now. Yeah. Like yeah. you shouldn't have to feel strange going up to somebody and just saying, oh, hey, I'm depressed because now we know Oh, d- depressed. I don't want to catch that. It's not It's not contagious. You can't control it. Pe- that's what people have. Yeah. It's just how you deal and manage with it. But people talking about it now are getting better ways to manage with it because it's like, I'm not the only one. You're not alone. Like, the yeah. whole you're not alone thing. And it's great. So, like, I, I really like I really like seeing that. I, I want to say something that's going to sound really deep and that I've never said uh, publicly. Hell yeah. Uh, but I think about this a lot. Um, so, my childhood was very... Um, mentally and, and physically abusive, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I love wrestling, right? But sometimes, a- as I grew up, I realized I get into wrestling, and um, the best way I've heard wrestling described is like um, from, uh, I believe it was Roger Ebert who said, uh, after reviewing The Wrestler, that wrestlers get hurt in ways that they plan on getting hurt, the best I could tell, which is pretty accurate as opposed yeah. to saying, you know, it's just fake. And uh, getting into wrestling, especially right away, I put up with a lot of mental abuse from mm-hmm. my trainer and then on a regular basis, it's really physically abusive on my own body. So sometimes uh, I think to myself, my job, um, my purpose is to take this abuse so that like much like wrestlers did for me, like when I was a kid, like to take that pain away for other people. And like, that's crazy, no, but like also I, powerful. It's like, yeah. like, like I'm, I'm going to endure this pain and this suffering. So just for a few minutes, you don't have to, and you realize like it's okay. There's light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, you know, everything's gonna be okay because that's what like Hulk Hogan did for me when I was a kid, and like Stone Cold did for me when I was a teenager, and like you know Shawn Michaels and Chris Jericho, and uh, I don't know. Like so, I think to myself sometimes, wow, is the only thing I'm good at taking abuse? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. like like it's kind of fucked up, yeah. but like uh, yeah, but like uh, I don't know. I wouldn't change it for the world. Uh, I, I, I I love wrestling and uh, I love the creative outlet it gives me. May, or maybe I'm just addicted to this drug known as wrestling and I don't realize how bad it's hurting me and killing me inside. Yeah. Well, you're taking control I, of it. Cause, I mean, anything you do is can sure. you, you can get hurt like really getting out of bed and yeah like wrestling crossing the street I can get hit by a car <laughs> yeah. wrestling we know by probably... <laughs> <laughs> like yeah it's gonna hurt we wake up sore yeah long term yeah you know on our bodies may not be the best but we're aware of it some of us some of us is more now yeah. in the modern age are doing what we can so that way long term even after we're done this is where I slowly fade in creeds my sacrifice right now while you're talking <laughs> <laughs> yep I'll send some uh, if you do if you do a video version I'll send in some clips of me like um, happy triumphant yep. and then eventually when yep. it comes down um, selling selling there's a lot of those oh, bleeding yeah. bleeding bleeding yep. and then me beating ass when there you, you go. are yeah. with yeah. me <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like I like taking control of it. Hell yeah, because we can let it overwhelm us, but taking control of it, and be like, no, I'm gonna bend it to what I need. That's what it's all about. Yeah. All right. What's some to everyone say something you're stoked on? That's Great. the way to always stoked end it. Something. Right it could be anything. It can be a movie. It can be a feeling, a thought, a meme, whatever. Um, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm excited for what 2020 has to bring. Hell yeah. Uh, I'm not sure why. I just mm-hmm. feel like every the last couple of years, um, starting in 2017, I felt like 
um, it was probably like one of my lowest lows and, uh, I had a relationship end oh, yeah. and, uh, long-term I thought it was going to be forever. And, uh, obviously that's not the case. And so, um, I guess something that I look forward to on a regular basis is like interacting with, uh, my friends and uh, other wrestlers on shows and like finding that common ground and feeling like at least for a little bit, like I'm not an incredibly insane person and connecting <laughs> with people on some level. Um, and I'm really excited about the connections that I'm going to make in, uh, 2020 and uh i'm gonna try not to get as wrapped up in love you yeah, know, as i have in yeah, years past hey. because I, I i've come to the conclusion that um you know uh everyone says there's someone out there for everyone right yeah i think that's bullshit yeah, i think you. the term better would be um there's someone out there for everyone for a moment yep and i think if you are lucky enough to get someone that you care about um at least for a moment that's more than most people get. It's just yeah, like the yeah. idea of like taking that first step towards a dream. Like, um, it's super difficult. Most people will never do it, but if you have the courage to take that first step, yeah. you've done more than 99% of the world. Right. That's beautiful. So, um, I'm excited for 2020 and, uh, I don't know what it's going to bring, but I know, as I talked about earlier, the last decade, decade and a half, it's brought me things that like, if you would have told 14 year old Greg that he's going to stand in the ring with CM Punk or sit at Stone Cold Steve Austin's house, or, yeah. uh, you know, his best friend in the world, he's going to sit front row, um, WrestleMania weekend oh, yeah, and watch him win there. the NXT championship right. and hug him on pay-per-view, yeah. you know, like, uh, I really appreciate and like treasure life moments like that because like 14 year old Greg would never believe that that was some shit that was going to happen. So, uh, who knows what 2020s bring, but that's, uh, that's what pumps me up with the unexpected. That's the best of it. Xander, you got anything? No, I would you basically say, I would say no, cause that <laughs> really like when you started saying just something about 2020, you feel yeah. like it's right. That's, that's you the same too. Thing. I've just been feeling like there's just, it's just been these past yeah. five years. Yeah. Just been this thing. So now it's just like 2020 just seems like, even if not, I'm going to make it. Yep. Even if nothing's going to come of it, I'm going to make something come of That's it. That's the good so. mindset to have. Yep. Me, I'm stoked, so I'm, on sun, I'm stoked on sunflower seeds. Hell I bought yeah. three cases. <laughs> oh I bought three cases of Chinook brand sunflower <laughs> seeds. Brand sunflower seeds. That's what I'm all about. You or, you're, going to, uh, you're ordering food. He orders food too. Yeah. 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 Hell yeah. Wow. I'm, he, listen, I'm a leisure daddy. All Greg <laughs> was one. telling us about these specific pretzels. Grip, order, Grippo's pretzels delicious. are the best pretzels in America. Okay. So I said a guy at a gas station that I bought them from a okay. couple weeks ago, an old ass man. Now I've known this for a few years, but yeah. real quick, uh, I walk into this gas station like near Tennessee. They're, these Grippo's are only available usually around like Southern Ohio. So it's like, I have to order them online, but I yep. stopped at this gas station. They had them and I walked to the counter and this hillbilly guy goes, son, have you ever had these pretzels before? And I said, <laughs> Yes, I have, sir. He said, best pretzels in America. Like, with complete confidence and assurance oh that he knew, like, these are the best fucking pretzels in America. And I said, sir, Beautiful. I love you. I looked him right in the eye and said, I love you. And he just started laughing. But, I, like, I meant it because he knows what's up. Dude, shout out Grippo's pretzels. Grippo's pretzels. Yeah. Whoop, whoop. <laughs> that, shout him out. Shout Hell him yeah. Out. Shout, let's get all your social medias out there. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Gregory Iron. I'm very close to 10,000 followers, so I would oh, like yeah. to make that happen. It would make me feel like really cool, and it would be you know something else I can rub in the face of people I hate from high school. If <laughs> I right. say like, "Hey, I have 10,000 followers, and, and you're out of shape, and you have uh, four kids, and and <laughs> two ex ex uh, husbands or wives." Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Instagram, Gregory underscore Iron, because some dickhead took Gregory Iron, uh, and he never uses his account. Facebook at facebook.com backslash the handicapped hero, or you can just search Gregory Iron. If you can't remember any of that, www.gregory-iron.com, where you can book me for pro wrestling and motivational speaking engagements. I 
I like talking at uh, schools, corporate gatherings, uh, kids of all ages, uh, grades one through 12, college kids. Uh, I like sharing my story. I can adapt and uh, uh, pattern the speech to whatever your yeah. uh, particular group organization needs. Uh, if you want some t-shirts, prowrestlingtees.com backslash Gregory Iron. Uh, I got some shirts that I'll never print again. And uh, nice. I think that's about it. I'll, I guess watch, uh, listen to the podcast every yeah. Wednesday, uh, Iron, Iron on, on wrestling. wrestling. Listen to some of the archives. You know, Johnny Gargano, Tommy Dreamer, Kimberly, Effie, Dan Housen, Kurt Stallion, a lot of good dudes on the podcast. And I'm like to, I like to, to uh, try to bring something unique and different uh, that you're not going to hear on every other wrestling podcast. So I'd appreciate if you subscribe. Hell yeah. Highly yeah. recommended. Hell yeah. And oh. so for other people who know yeah. uh, what it's like to not be able to get your name the way you would like on social media, you can find us on the Project Nerd Podcast Network at project-nerd.com. <laughs> <laughs> or dudesweetcast.com. Or dudesweetcast.com. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> well then now you have to sign us out with that could you give us a uh a hell yes uh sign off for this is that what you do every episode yeah we usually say hell yeah and suck it hell very yeah casually yeah oh, <laughs> oh I, I i could do it in stone cold's voice but i like i i, I like the uh, vince mcmahon one that doesn't get referenced a lot from okay leading into wrestlemania 14 where kevin kelly asked uh, vince mcmahon do you or do you not want to see stone cold steve austin as the world wrestling federation champion and then vince thinks about it and he goes uh well he says it's not just a no, it's a oh hell no. <laughs> but, I'll, but, I'll, but I guess I have to say, oh hell yes. <laughs> there we go. go. There it is. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell yeah, dude, sweet. <laughs>